Greetings everybody, my name's Adam Draycott, uh, you're watching uh, the online ministry of St Augustine's Anglican Church in Varel. Happy Easter. He is risen. Our sentence of scripture comes from Luke chapter 24. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Let me pray. God our Father, by raising Christ your Son, you conquered the power of death and opened for us the way to eternal life. In our celebration today, raise us up and renew our lives by the Spirit that is within us. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our Bible reading today comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, 
Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Naz the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Loving Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you would show us the glory and wonder that is your son, Jesus, that you, we would see that he is indeed risen, that we would understand the implications for our life. Uh, lead us in the way of repentance and faith, that we might shine forth your glory. We ask for your help in all of this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. Those words are attributed to Benjamin Franklin, apparently. It's not that I'm afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Uh, Woody Allen apparently said that. Man is like a breath. His days are like a fleeting shadow. That's Psalm 144, verse 4. When we come to Mark chapter 16, we need to see a few verses prior show us that we're in the shadow of death. In Mark chapter 15, verse 42, it tells us it was preparation day. That's the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, he went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Do you see it? Jesus' body. He's died. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. He, being Jesus, is already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. There it is again. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. See it again. Jesus has died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. I said that. So Joseph went, Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled the stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Have no doubt when we come to chapter 16... Mark's gospel is very clear. Have no doubt Jesus has died. The women witnessed Jesus' brutal crucifixion and death. Verse 47 says they saw where he was laid. 
Pilate is told in verse 44 that he is dead indeed. Roman soldiers, the soldiers of the death squad, don't get things like this wrong. They are very, very good at what they do. Verse 43, Joseph, the religious leader, asks for a body. Verse 46, he takes down the body. He wraps it, uh, wraps the corpse in linen. He puts it in a tomb that's cut out of rock. A, ro- a stone is rolled against the entrance to the tomb. Make no mistake, Jesus died on the cross. Now, why am I emphasizing this? It's because people like to say all religions are the same, don't they? It's a popular view. Maybe you think that. But let me say to you very plainly, they are not. That's why they're different religions. Religions differ on key facts. And here's a key fact. The Quran, for example. The Quran that uh, Muslims read. Uh, The Quran asserts that Jesus did not die on the cross. The Quran says Jesus didn't die. While Christianity says Jesus did die. Not the same. Quran says it didn't. He didn't. The Bible says he did. One is teaching a falsehood. The other is telling a truth. On Good Friday, did Jesus die or not? The scriptures make it clear. God's word, the Bible, says he did. It continues in chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, that's the younger James, and Salome, she was married to Zebedee apparently, uh, so mother of Andrew, right, uh, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Good question. Sensible question. Here they are, 36 hours after the crucifixion. They're on their way to the tomb. Things are dismal. They come to pay uh, their last tribute to a dead body, murdered in tragedy, Hopes shattered. It's early morning and they've got no idea as to how they're going to get into the tomb. Who's going to roll the stone away? Verse 3. Death has a horrible finality about it. They experience grief and fear and powerlessness. Grief for a loved one lost. Fear as they adjust to a future without him. And powerlessness. Grief, fear, powerlessness. This is their experience. It's the cost of loving someone. It's the price that you pay. And some of us feel that acutely, don't we, in a time of grief. And so it's little wonder Woody Allen says, I just don't want to be there when it happens. He wants to set aside grief, fear, and powerlessness, can there be anything worse? It's a little wonder there are so many people in our world that just don't want to talk about death. More and more young people are opting out of funeral services for their loved ones, despite their wishes. Um, They'd sooner go to the pub for a quiet get-together. That's a growing trend. 
means they don't have to confront the reality of death. Or they'll ask for a funeral. Uh, no, well, not for a funeral, actually. Can we have a celebration? Can we focus on life and thanksgiving? Uh, don't talk about loss and death. Let's celebrate life instead. And look, who can blame people? I mean, who wants to talk about death? Don't remind me of death. Can we, can we move on to something else? And of course, yeah, we can. Look at the next few verses. The shock and surprise. Verse 4, you want to talk about something else? Verse 4, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white and a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Here are words that have changed the world forever. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Uh, God's messenger says, an angel, I believe. The woman gets, the women get two shocks the f that leave them trembling and cause them to flee. The first one is that the question of verse 3 is answered. The stone's been rolled away. It's not an issue anymore. Tomb is wide open. Can we see God has done it? But the other shock is that there's no need for their spices because divine power has raised the corpse of Jesus. I mean, I will be packing it as well. The angel appears, the stone is gone, and you're told that Jesus has risen. Are you kidding me? The women come to the tomb, hoping to anoint a body. The biggest obstacle is a stone. The biggest hope was they, they'd be able to get in at all, and then see the body, and then lovingly anoint it. That's their biggest hope. Safe assumption. Stones don't move themselves. Safe assumption, dead men don't rise. Well, God changes their thinking. He's going to. On Easter Day, this thinking has to change. Because there's no need for a question about the tomb, how we get in. And there's no need for their spices that they carry in their arms. He has risen. Verse 6, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Back to Galilee. That's where it all started, isn't it? Go back to where it all started. That's where you will see him. And can I say it again? This is an angel. This is a messenger of God. Don't be afraid. It's a massive giveaway. The, the most repeated command in all of Scripture, do not be afraid, comes from the lips of God's agent just about every single time. Now, somebody in Bible study on Monday night asked about verse 7. What's the deal with the word order? Why the disciples and Peter? It's a curious question. It's a great question. And uh, to be honest, no idea. <laughs> when you go to glory, ask. Ask somebody. Um uh, but maybe there is some idea. Maybe the disciples and Peter, right? Why, why not the disciples or why not Peter and the disciples? Maybe it denotes the distance that now exists at this time in the story. 
a distance between Jesus and Peter that follows his betrayal in chapter 14, a serious betrayal. Maybe it denotes the seriousness of that disconnect and distance. Things are not right. We know they will be. But here, at this point in time, things are not okay. Maybe it highlights this unresolved crisis, a speed bump in their friendship, yet to be restored, unfinished business, so to speak. And that kind of fits with chapter 16 all over, doesn't it? Unfinished business is what we find here in chapter 16. I mean, what do I mean? Okay. It's the end of Mark's gospel, eight verses. Mark cuts through the fluff. He tells us Jesus is risen, go to Galilee, and then you get verse eight. Verse eight, what is verse eight? Let me pick it up again. Trembling and bewildered. This is how Mark's gospel finishes. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Thanks, Mark. He leaves us hanging it like he tosses up the tennis ball and you're waiting for him to hit it and he doesn't hit it. It's like you're leaving us hanging. Imagine the original reader has picked up Mark's gospel somewhere, maybe from the newsagent, who knows, and the ending leaves him with three women trembling and sobbing and running in fear. And what's your reaction to that as the reader? Do you want more? Yeah, you want more. You want to know the rest of the story. What's next? What's the future? Where's Jesus? Where are his mates? Did they meet up in Galilee? What happens? If he's alive, what happens? I mean, we read the entire gospel and we're left with three inconsolable women. There's seriously unfinished business here. And then it gets you going, they don't which is a lot like death. Sorry to bring that up again, but if you've lost a loved one, you know this full sense of unfinished business that colours everything, that's part of our grief, things left unsaid, regret, uh, wishing things had been different or that you'd heard something or said something or wishing you had your time over again. Just for, And it's all very normal. Wishing things had been a bit different. Fear about the future. Even confusion. Wanting a bit of time. And of course, it's unfinished business. Death is like that. It's awkward and inconvenient and it's an intrusion and it's confusing. And maybe this is what Mark's gospel forces us to do here. We enter into this space of death we taste grief and fear and powerlessness and uncertainty, and maybe that's deliberate. Maybe this is part of the beauty of Mark's gospel, because our little taste of being left hanging and left in suspense, our little taste of being left unresolved and unfinished, it is answered in the text, if you can see it. Did you see it when the angel says, He is risen? That's the answer. That's the rest of the story. He is risen. And so because he is risen, see the implication, we do not fear. We don't have to be afraid. Let me ask you, what are you afraid of at the moment? 
Is it your health? Having enough super for retirement. Will I have enough? Is that your fear? Maybe you're a farmer. Afraid of being understocked or overstocked or uh, getting the sowing done or the harvesting, whatever the case might be. Maybe it's guilt. Guilt that eats you up. Maybe it's death. See that Jesus is alive. See Jesus alive now living in the hearts of his people. Can you see the rest of the story now? Can you see that the rest of the story is you? Christ and his witnesses as Christ lives in us and through us, led by the Holy Spirit, taking the gospel to the world, preaching the cross of Christ. That's the rest of the story. You are the rest of the story. And so because he lives, we pray in his name. Because he lives, we read the Gospels, we read scriptures and we listen. We don't merely hear it, we do what it says. And we gather. We gather as family. We're connected as family because he lives. Because we li- he lives, we sing as family. We sing his praises. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives, if you know that hymn. Hear the words again of Mark's gospel. He is not here. He is risen. I'll never forget the words of a teenager. Uh, I was at his uh, grandmother's funeral. We were in the church up the back. And uh, I remember he pointed to his grandmother's coffin. And he said to me, he said, you know, Adam, I get it now. I get that she's with Jesus. And I get that death is not the end. It's a new beginning for her. I get that. Teenagers said that. It's incredible. The hope of the empty tomb, the hope of the resurrection, was a reality for that young man. His life was changed. He's still loving and serving Jesus. He understood the gospel, holds the answers to important questions about life and death. What hope, what assurance. Well, the dying mother's words. I had the privilege to hear a mum talk to her daughter uh, in her twilight, just before she passed. And she said to her daughter, I don't want you to be worried about me. I don't want you to be worried. And then she said, I know where I'm going. I'll be alive with Christ. Do you see the Christian hope? It's not an empty hope. It's a real, solid, concrete hope. And so our church family, wherever we are, our church family is not, we're not in the business of death. The Christian message is about life. Life for eternity made possible because Jesus first gave his Jesus gave his life and gave death 
a good hard kick in the bum. Jesus got death in a sleeper hold. Death is down for the count because Jesus defeated it. And so this past certainty from Mark 16 gives us a future hope. The past here, this story is a preview for us that just as surely as Jesus died and was raised again, he promises to do the same for all who trust in him. So will you give your death to Jesus? Will you entrust your death to him? Will you commit your death into his hands? Will you look death in the eye and put your trust in Jesus? I mean, it's easy to say Jesus is risen. He is risen. That's easy to say. It's easy to say we believe this stuff. Plenty can say it, but do you trust him? Because it doesn't make sense to say this is true, yet still not trust Jesus. Do you trust him? I want you to imagine for a moment your house is on fire. You know the door is the way to safety. You believe in the door. But you love your house too much. Leaving the house, the cost, the cost is too great. Too much invested. And so you don't leave. You do not go through the door. How do you think that's going to end? It's not going to end well. It will end in destruction. Do we see Jesus is the door? Death is the prospect we all face. Death and judgment. But Jesus wants us to trust him. Especially with our death. And the way out, the way to combat death is through the door. Jesus is the door. He's the one that has crushed death's power. He has proven he can do it. And so, again, I ask you, will you trust Jesus with your death? Will you entrust yourself to him? It means entrusting your life to him. As we live in the shadow of death, we all feel grief, fear and powerlessness. May the words, he is risen, may that be our heartbeat. May they be words of comfort and strength and assurance that we would put our trust in Jesus, Jesus Christ, the sin smasher and the death crusher, for he is risen. Amen.